0: Welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind. It's Monty's podcast, And now, here's your host, Monty Colvin.
1: Hey, 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 welcome to The Rockcast. I am your host, Monty Colvin. He's a whack job. So glad you could join me. And the first thing I want to say is I'm sorry that I didn't put out an episode in March. And the reason was I was extremely busy getting ready for and doing the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville. And I'll tell you all about that in a second. But while I was down there, I had several people come up to me and tell me that I was an OG of rock podcasting. And I had to look up OG to find out what that stood for, and it turns out it means original gangsta. Yeah, yeah! Yeah, and it says the term describes someone considered a pioneer or leader in a particular field. And I thought, really? Well, okay. I did not know that about myself. But, you know, these were fellow podcasters who were telling me this. And so I got to thinking and I thought, well, you know, I have been doing this since 2008. And the reason I got into podcasts back then was that I got so bored with the radio. But I didn't have a laptop and I didn't have an iPhone yet. But I did have a friend who had one of the original iPods. And he traded it to me for this bass amp that I had that I wasn't using anymore. And at first I thought, well, what am I going to do with this thing? But then I found out you could download these talk shows known as podcasts and put them on there. And so I started searching for stuff to listen to. And initially there wasn't that much. There was stuff like the Rock and Roll Geek Show. Bob Nalbandian had Skull Sessions. There was Adam Carolla and i remember adam curry had one of the first ones too and after listening to these for a while i thought you know this sounds like so much fun i would love to do a show myself and so i ended up buying a mac laptop and i didn't know what i was doing but i just started making shows and i didn't know if anyone would listen but i didn't really care because i enjoyed doing them and a few of the early shows were really bad Uh, Well, who am I kidding? I'm going to say the first hundred were really bad. That's correct. But kind of like my music, I wasn't afraid to try things. And some of it worked and some of it didn't. But here I am all these years later and I still don't know if anyone listens. Well, I'd say ten. Anyway, a few months ago, a guy named Chris Sinzak, who hosts the Decibel Geek podcast invited me to be a guest at the Rock and Pod Expo in Nashville. And I'd heard about this thing for years and I had people tell me that I should go do it. But I never had, but Chris told me that I could have a booth, I could sell my art, and it sounded great. And so I agreed to do it, and then I asked my girlfriend Alex, "Uh, Hey, how far is it to Nashville? And she said, "Uh, uh, It's about 17 hours. And I thought, wow, that's a long way, but uh, okay, let's load the car with as much stuff as we can. And we knew the expo started on Friday night, and so we left Thursday morning. And we knocked out about 12 hours driving through constant rain and snow. But we made it safely to Columbia, Missouri, where we got a room at the Red Roof Inn. And of course, when you stay at a cheap motel, you know it's not going to be plush. But I'm starting to realize that when you only pay 65 bucks for a room, these places like Red Roof Inn take that into consideration. And as a way of compensating for the lack of money that they're bringing in, they make up for it with extra little punishments. For instance, around midnight somebody parked a truck outside of our door and left it rumbling for about 15 to 20 minutes. That was followed at 12.30 by some barking dogs. At 12.45, kids could be heard running and screaming outside. And then at 1 o'clock, a homeless guy on the street was just randomly yelling incoherent things at the top of his lungs. But there again, we only paid 65 bucks, so basically we deserve that.
0: Uh, yeah
1: now the next morning we get up we drive another five or six hours into nashville and we go straight to the fairgrounds where they're holding the rock and pod expo and we get my booth set up but then we have gotta dash over to a club slash bowling alley where they're having the rock and pod pre-party and basically what this was was a jam that featured a bunch of people who were there for the convention and back when they asked me to be a guest for this weekend, uh, I didn't realize I was going to be expected to play at the pre-party. But a friend of mine named Tyson Leslie, and I think everyone on Earth knows Tyson. He's one of these musicians that can play anything, any song, any instrument. And he's a really good guy. But uh, he calls me a couple of weeks ahead of time and says, uh, yeah, we got to play a couple of songs. And he says, I want to do a Galactic song. And I said, okay, well, how about if I were a killer? That's a really fun song to play. And he says, okay, great, what else? And I said, well, how about a punk song? Like something easy to play, like Bad Reputation by Joan Jett. And he said, okay, great, let's do it. And so he puts together the guys that are going to play it, and they all learn the songs. And so I just show up at the club that night with my bass... And before it was time for me, uh, we watched a few songs from Eric Martin from Mr. Big. He played some Mr. Big songs. And Steve Blaze from Lily and Axe played a Black Sabbath tune. And B.B. Buell, who is better known as Liv Tyler's mom, she did a couple of songs with a pretty rockin' band. And I finally just went backstage and I was hanging out and I was a little bit uncomfortable because I didn't know anybody back there. But I'm just kind of standing there tuning my bass and all of a sudden Tyson comes up and he's like, all right, we're on. And so I walk on stage, I plug into an amp I've never played through, no sound check, and I'm playing with people I've never played with in my life. But we just bust into Bad Reputation and play through it, and it was alright, I had fun. But then it was time to play If I Were a Killer, and I had no idea how this was gonna go. But the guitar player was this young guy named Dakota Denman. And he starts the song, and uh, he just nails it. Just plays it note for note and just crushes. Now I found out later that the drummer's name was Daniel Duchette, and he was awesome. And the singer's name was John Moravec, and he had just learned the song, and he did a great job too. And we pounded our way through it, and I gotta say, it was really fun to play again. I mean, I'm one of these guys that likes to practice and be really well prepared, but, you know, for what it was, I thought it went fine, and, uh, you know, it was a little nerve-wracking, but I enjoyed it. Now, after the show, we followed our good friend William Alexander back to his house. He lives in the Nashville area, and him and his wife were kind enough to have us uh, stay there for the weekend. And unlike the Red Roof Inn, William's house is indeed plush. And so thanks again to William. Now, on Saturday morning, it was time to get back to the fairgrounds and do some rock and podding. And how do I describe it? It was just this great big building just filled with tables and booths and rock stars and all kinds of people. There was a bunch of podcasters set up and they were uh, recording and doing interviews. There was guys like Ricky Rackman there who used to do Headbangers Ball. He was selling his own brand of coffee and some t-shirts and stuff like that. However, I did not go over and meet him. Because the last time I met him was back around 93 when I was on Headbangers Ball. And he was not the nicest guy in the world, so this time I figured, why bother? Even though he's probably changed, he's probably come back down to earth maybe, I don't know. But I thought rather than have another one of those Chris Cornell moments where he just kind of blows me off, I just thought, uh, you know, I'll just uh, not go over. But I did say hi to Don Jameson from, uh, you know, That Metal Show. And I've heard he's a King's X fan or something, and so I thought, well, maybe there's a the chance he saw us on tour with him one of those times. But uh, no, I mentioned Galactic Cowboys, and he just acted like, uh, yeah, I have no clue. However, at one point, I was walking around, and Jason McMaster from Dangerous Toys just walks up and goes, Hey, Monty. And I was like, holy crap, Jason McMaster knows who I am? How cool is that? But I wasn't there to hobnob with celebrities or rock stars. I was there to promote my podcast and hopefully sell some art. And sell some art we did. We didn't sell any paintings the first day, but people were gobbling up the prints and the magnets. And so that was really exciting. I also did some interviews And the first one was with Rob Lane, who had flown over from England, and Rob is a great guy, and he does the Straight to Video podcast. And another one that I did that was a lot of fun was called In Obscuria, and it's hosted by Robert Harrison and a cool guy named Kevin Williams. And Kevin is cool for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that he likes Galactic Cowboys, and he gives Monty's Rock cast a shout out on almost every episode. The second reason is that he's got a cool name, because I went to high school with a guy named Kevin Williams. Wow! Oh yes, back in 1977, I was playing basketball for Nevada High School in Missouri. And we had a guy on the team named Kevin Williams, and he ended up being a McDonald's High School All-American. You can look it up. He was on the same team with Magic Johnson. And he didn't play until he was a sophomore in high school, but he was 6'11". The guy was huge. And he was basically unstoppable. He got recruited by every school in the nation. And he ended up going to Missouri, but he hurt his back and he never played a lick. But there's a little info that you probably didn't know. Admittedly, not very interesting. Anyway, another Kevin Williams is also the host of In Obscuria. And it's a cool podcast you should definitely check out. I am not capable. So those are some of the highlights on Saturday. And that night, we went out to dinner with Jeff Moore and his family. It was Jeff's birthday. And Jeff is my buddy. And we went to this really nice place, and the food was really good. But I don't know what the deal is these days with the techno music. If you go to an NBA basketball game, it's like going to a rap concert. But now we were in Nashville having dinner, and we're trying to talk, and the whole time it's. <laughs> And I got to thinking later, you know, maybe I should open a restaurant and just assume that everybody that comes in loves death metal. Yeah, can I take your order? What do you mean you can't hear me? Anyway, we get through with dinner and we go walking out to the extremely expensive parking lot. And I go to get in Jeff's car and I open the door and there's some dude sitting in the driver's seat and it's not Jeff. And I go, whoa, and I back up and look and I'm like, did I get in the wrong car? But no, it was just some drunk guy. And Jeff tells him to get out and move on and that was it. But uh, made for an interesting night in Nashville. Weird but true. Now on Sunday, we went back to the fairgrounds where the rockin' pod was held. And by then most of the podcasters had left, but they were having a pop culture comic convention. So we just left our booth up and stayed and tried to sell some art. Unfortunately, it was really kind of dead in there most of the day. There was a few people wearing some costumes and you had the usual Star Wars geeks, but not nearly as big a crowd as there had been on Saturday. But we just kept hanging out and every now and then someone would drop by and say hi. And at one point, B.B. Buell comes over, and she has no idea who I am, even though I know who she is, because you know, I know a little bit about the history of rock and roll groupies. And B.B. is basically famous for that. And I guess because I have long hair and a red goatee, she assumes that I must be a liberal. And she tells us that uh, we better get ready because on Tuesday, Trump is gonna be arrested. And he's going to tell all the Republicans to go riot. And if we know what's good for us, we better go buy some toilet paper because there's not going to be any left. And so there's some information and advice from B.B. Buell. She's nuts! Now around 3 o'clock, we'd sold a few prints, but that was about it. So I told Alex, let's just go ahead and tear down and start packing. But before we did that, I went to the bathroom. But on the way back, I said, God... Would you just please send one person to buy a painting? I'd sure love to just sell one, one painting. And I get back to the booth and I start to put stuff away when this guy wearing a fur coat and a Frankenstein t-shirt just walks over. And he looks at my Frankenstein painting, pulls out his wallet and hands me cash. And I think, awesome, now we can leave. And so once again, I start tearing stuff down and a guy walks over. And he says, hey, I want the Frank Zappa painting. And he Venmo's me right on the spot. And I'm like, thank you, God. So once again, we start putting everything away and we're almost done. When a cool guy walks over and says, hey, I want that set of those Beatles paintings, pulls his credit card out and chiching. So it turned out to be just a great day and the whole weekend was just amazing. And Ed Whelan on Facebook had a question for me. And he said, Hey, Monty, what did you learn from your experience at the Rock and Pod Expo? Well, Ed, I learned that there's a lot of nice people who do podcasting. I also found out there's a lot of people who listen to this show and really like my art. And if they invite me to go back next year and be part of the Rock and Pod Expo, I will be there. But probably the best thing that I learned through the whole experience was that I have a great girlfriend. Man, Alex just did so much to help me through the whole thing. She handled all the credit card transactions, she helped me set up and tear down. And when I start to get stressed out, she just has a great way of calming me down. So thanks to Alex, you're amazing. Thanks again to Chris Sinzak for inviting me. Thanks to Shecky for all your help. It was great to see you, man. And thanks to people like Jay Richter and Doug Campbell and his son Harrison and Justin and Jennifer Dunlap. It was great hanging out with all of you. This is fascinating stuff. So that was my recap of the Rock and Pod weekend. But now I'd like to do a segment that I like to call Watts on TV. Well, I don't want that. Yeah, I like to watch a little TV. So what? You can't work all the time. And here are a few selections that you might be interested in. First of all, Alex and I watched a show on Netflix called Snowflake Mountain. This is where a couple of outdoorsmen take a bunch of spoiled kids in their early 20s out to the woods and punish them. And by punish them, I mean they take away their cell phones, TVs, and make them get off their asses and do something. This, this almost seems cruel. I found it pretty amusing, and if you can put up with all the whining from these entitled little jerks, uh, it's pretty entertaining. We also watched a documentary about Rick James, bitch. Oh yeah! Going into this, about the only thing I knew about Rick James is that he'd done that super freak song. The thing I didn't know is that he was actually pretty talented. The thing with all these music documentaries though is that uh, they're usually about an hour and a half long and they really only need to be about an hour because the last half hour is always the same. They get successful, they get rich, they get on drugs and they die. And you'd think someone would figure it out, but they don't, they've always gotta do cocaine and then heroin and it kills them and the end. But you don't just have to be a musician to die. The same thing happens in pretty much every gangster movie. Like, I watched Goodfellas again the other day for about the third or fourth time. And it's a great movie, but I kinda had the same thought. If you're in the mob, uh, there's really only two results that will come from it. You're either gonna get offed or you're gonna go to prison. And neither one of those endings are good, but people seem to go ahead and get into that for some reason. It's the same confusion I have when I think about people that join cults. What makes people go to them and why do they stay? It's all very interesting to me. And on the last episode, I talked a little bit about my experience when I was in a cult when I was a kid. And my family and I were fortunate enough to get out of that situation, but uh, a lot of people don't. And that stuff fascinates me, and so I watched another documentary about the Waco Branch Davidians. It's on Netflix right now, and I had a lot of different thoughts on it. First of all, it seems like with every cult, there always seems to be that one guy. He self-appoints himself as the leader, as the guru. And in the case with Waco, it was David Koresh. And if you know anything about him, I think we can all agree, David Koresh was a piece of shit. But here's my piece of advice. At some point, if you find yourself in a group or a church or whatever it is, and the leader starts telling you that he's the Messiah or the Christ, or that God told him that uh, he should be able to sleep with your wife, how about you get the hell out of there? Yeah! Yeah! The other thing that boggled my mind about the Waco movie was the way the government handled that situation. I get that there was a lot of bad stuff going on inside that compound, but did they really have to push it to the point where they ended up killing a bunch of children? Kinda pissed me off, I'm just saying. Why don't you be more positive? And finally, how about that Chris Rock special on Netflix? I kind of enjoyed it, but I'll tell you somebody who didn't enjoy it, and that was Will Smith. Oh, he thought he was such a badass walking up on stage at the Oscars and smacking Chris Rock right in the face. But he had to know at some point that was going to come back to bite him. I mean, you assaulted a comedian on stage in front of millions of people. And at the time, Chris Rock said nothing. But then he took an entire year to think about it, dwell on it, write it, hone it. And then at the end of his special, he gave Will Smith a verbal slapdown. And I'll tell you, I thought it was great. Good for Chris Rock. It was a joy to watch. Okay, so I recently heard that uh, Rolling Stone magazine has come out with their list of greatest heavy metal songs. And so I thought I'd go through it and give you my thoughts. But I don't have a lot of hope that I'm going to like this list. In fact, uh, it's probably going to make me a little angry. Because if it's anything like their list of 100 Greatest Guitarists, uh, it's not going to make any sense to me. That particular list had Dimebag Daryl at 92 right behind Bonnie Raitt. And they also had James Hetfield at 87 behind Lou Reed who was at 81. And that was so absurd that uh, I can't really have much faith that Rolling Stone magazine is ever going to get anything right. But whatever, we'll see what they do with this. I have not seen this list yet, so I'll be reading it as I find out. And so here we go, starting out at 100, it's Venom with Welcome to Hell. I never really listened to Venom, uh, so I don't even really know this song. But I know they're credited with inventing black metal, so uh, I guess they threw them a bone and put them at 100. Number 99 is Planets Collide by Crowbar. Never heard it. Number 98 is Executioner's Tax by Power Trip, And I don't know much about them, but I do know they were thrash and uh, their singer died. 97 is 43% Burnt by Dillinger Escape Plan. I've never heard that song, but I know they're good musicians, so uh, good for them. 96 is Yeah Right by uh, Girls School, and all I can say is, yeah, right. 95 is Davidian by Machine Head, which, uh, strangely enough, is a song about what I just talked about, the Waco thing. At 94, finally something I'm familiar with. It's in the meantime by Helmet, and I love Helmet, so hopefully it's not the only thing on this list. At 93, it's by Cannibal Corpse, and it's their hit song, Hammer Smashed Face. Oh, that is so nice. Now you may not think you've ever heard this before, but uh, if you saw Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. Uh, Cannibal Corpse was in that movie, and that's the song they were playing. Apparently, Jim Carrey was a big fan. Uh, At 92, it's uh, All We Are by Warlock. And at 91, finally a song I really love. It's Pull Me Under by Dream Theater. We toured with Dream Theater on this album, and uh, I got to hear this song every night. And it's such a great tune, it's got the catchy chorus in it, and I wish they would have done more songs like this. Number 90, it's Bring the Noise by Public Enemy and Anthrax. And okay, I get this one. Uh, It was uh, one of the earliest uh, rap metal kind of songs. And so it probably deserves to be on here.
0: Yeah, boy!
1: At 89, it's Suicidal Tendencies with You Can't Bring Me Down. And I went through a phase where I listened to a lot of Suicidal Tendencies uh, back around 90. And this was one of the songs I loved by them, so yes, good choice. Alright, at 88, it's uh, This Time by Life of Agony. And I know nothing about this song, but I do know Life of Agony, and uh, we actually played some shows with them in Europe. And their singer at the time was a guy named Keith, but these days, Keith is now Mina, and Mina is a woman. And I'll let you figure that out. I'm very confused. Number 87 is Slaughter of the Soul by At The Gates. And I have to say it that way because it takes me back to when Galactic Cowboys were at this radio station. And we were talking about one of our new albums. And this guy calls in and says, Hey, why don't you play some At The Gates? And when I heard him say that, I realized that they were probably really heavy and that he would never buy one of our albums. Definitely not. Now, 86 is an interesting one because it's 21st Century Skidzoid Man by King Crimson. And that's a great song, but I've never thought of King Crimson as heavy metal. To me, they were more prog. And I remember April Wine did a cover of this song and it was great too. But I never considered April Wine heavy metal either. But that would bring us to 85, which is There Goes the Neighborhood by Body Count. Which, of course, was Ice-T's all-black metal band. And I'm sure Rolling Stone magazine put this on here for diversity's sake. But was it really that good of a song? Well, I went and listened to it because I hadn't heard it in about 30 years. And it's got kind of a heavy riff, but uh, it sounds a lot like Cities on Flame from Blue Oyster Cult, which was a lot better song than this. And I'm pretty sure that Cities on Flame will not end up on this list. And lyric-wise, it just sounds kind of silly now. Ice-T says the N-word over and over. And he's basically insinuating that white people think black people have no right to play heavy metal which I found kind of ridiculous because you had living color, you had bad brains, you had Rocky George playing with suicidal tendencies. I really don't think there was that many people thinking it was shocking or that it was that big a deal that black guys were playing metal. But at any rate, don't tell Ice-T I said that.
0: I'm so disgusted right now.
1: At 84, it's Thunder Kiss 65 by White Zombie. Yeah, that was a cool song. 83 is World Eater by Bolt Thrower. 82 is the song Spit by the all-girl band Kitty, which raises the question, would this song or this band be on here if they weren't an all-female metal band? Uh, My opinion is probably not. I've got nothing against Kitty, but come on, this is the top 100 metal songs of all time. You're a sexist. At 81, it's We're Not Gonna Take It by Twisted Sister. And yeah, I'm fine with that. Kind of a metal anthem. Uh, Number 80 is My Own Summer, Shove It by Deftones. And yeah, I understand this a little bit because it was kind of important uh, to the new metal movement back in the 90s. When you hear it now, it doesn't sound all that groundbreaking, but back then it kind of was. But here's one that makes me shake my head. At number 79, it's Balls to the Wall by Accept. And I'm not shaking my head because it shouldn't be on the list, but because it should be way higher. I mean that Wolf Hoffman guitar tone alone should have put it in the top 25. That song is total metal. number 78 it's concubine by a band called converge and this song is 80 seconds long and to me it just sounds like pure noise and i'm down with all kinds of stuff but uh, this just sounds like a lot of crap to me but what do i know i like melody but that would bring us to number 77 which is by Soundgarden, jesus christ pose and okay it's a rocking song But this is a list of metal songs, and I've been told for years that Soundgarden was grunge, and I thought grunge killed metal. But I'm gonna wait, and if Nirvana or Pearl Jam make this list, at that point, I will go off. But right now, let's move on to number 76, which is A Fine Day to Die by Bathory. Okay. At 75, it's Youth Gone Wild by Skid Row. And, you know, I'll have to admit, I've kind of always secretly liked them. They wrote some really good songs, and this is one of them, and so I'm okay with this. But that would bring us to 74, and it's a song by Obituary called Chopped in Half. Brutal! At 73, once again, a song that is criminally too low on this list. It's Hast" by Rammstein.
0: That song was pretty good, yeah, yeah, I liked it.
1: Not only is Hast" one of the greatest metal songs of all time, it's one of the greatest songs, period. The riffs, the keyboards, the vocals, everything is a hook. It's songwriting genius. I mean, I just can't tell you how much I, I love this. Come on, you idiot, spit it out! I mean, I love the song. But apparently, according to Rolling Stone Magazine, it's not quite as good as number, what is it? Oh yeah, 72, You Suffer by Napalm Death. They used to be my favorite band. Number 71 is Blood and Thunder by Mastodon. Number 70 is Flying Whales by Gojira, who have a great drummer. Number 69 is Evil by Merciful Fate. And number 68 is Running With the Devil by Van Halen. Ah, yeah. Well, is Van Halen really metal? Oh, yes! Well, I guess I know one thing, the first time I ever heard this when I was in high school, it scared the hell out of me. Oh! I'd never heard a guitar sound like that in my life. And for that time in the 70s, it was pretty heavy. Ah-ha. And that would bring us to number 67, which is Blind by, uh, no, not Galactic Cowboys. It's by Korn. And once again, I gotta say, I would have thought this would have been higher. I mean, when this song and Korn's first album came out, kind of carved out a whole new sound. I think it was important. Are you- Coming in at number 66, it's Bang Your Head by Quiet Riot. And if you're like me, you got sick of this song really fast, but I will admit that it's kind of a classic, and I'm not surprised it's on here. But here's one I am surprised at, at 65, it's Over My Head by Kings X. But then again, they are kind of a critics darling, so uh, good for them. Now, if I were going to put one of their songs onto a metal list, uh, it wouldn't have been this one. Over My Head seems more like a pop song to me. I would have probably gone for something off their first album, like In the New Age or Pleiades. But that's just me, and moving on to number 64, it's Black Number One by Typo Negative. And I have no problem with Typo being on this list because they are awesome. Or they were before Peter Steele died. Now at 63, it's Summertime Blues by Blue Cheer. And this came out in 68, and a lot of people feel like Blue Cheer was the first heavy metal band. So I guess that's why they're on here. At 62, it's Dragon Knot by Sleep. And I'll be honest, never heard of them. And so I will just move on to 61, which is We Will Rise by Arch Enemy number 60 is people equal shit by slipknot and even though i would kind of agree with that song title to me there's probably better slipknot songs than that one at 59 it's freezing moon by mayhem 58 is refuse resist by Sepultura, and at 57 it's the cry of mankind by my dying bride and yes, that song is amazing and beautiful and heavy at the same time. It's kind of slow and haunting and uh, do yourself a favor and go check that out. I would play some of that, but it's just one of those songs that's long and you just have to absorb it. But My Dying Bride, very cool band.
0: Never heard of them.
1: Number 56 is Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne and yeah that's a great tune and it probably won't be the last Ozzy song on this list. Number 55 is Caffeine off of uh, the Angel Dust album by Faith No More and I didn't even remember this song till I went back and listened to it so that's how much it stuck with me over the years. And if I was going to put a Faith No More song on here, it would have been Surprise You're Dead. But 54 is photographed by Def Leppard, and I think everybody in the world knows that song. Not really what I would call a heavy metal song, but you know, catchy as hell. 53 is 46 and 2 by Tool. 52 is Deliverance from Opeth. Number 51 is Slateman, I guess, by Godflesh. Don't know that one. And 50 is Procreation of the Wicked by Celtic Frost. And so there's the bottom 50, and uh, so far my thoughts are that uh, I'm surprised how many of these songs I don't even know. But here's one I do know at 49. It's Just One Fix from Ministry. Great tune. Continuing on, Uh, 48 is Walk in the Shadows by Queensryche, 47 is Locust Star by Neurosis, 46 is Night Goat by The Melvins, 45 is uh, Symphony of Destruction by Megadeth, again a classic. And not just because it was a hit, truly a great song. 44 is Green Machine by Caius. 43 is Bring Me to Life by Evanescence, and yes, I loved that song when it came out, and uh, they just never seemed to put out another song that was quite as good as that. Uh, 42 is something called Curse You All Men by Emperor. I'm, I'm sorry, come again? And I don't know the song or the band. Uh, okay. 41 is Bleed by Meshuggah. Number 40 is Victim of Changes by Judas Priest. And 39 is For Whom the Bell Tolls by Metallica. One of the greatest metal songs ever written and glad to see it on the list. Oh, but here we go. At 38, it's Killing in the Name by Rage Against the Machine. And I'll just go ahead and say it. Hate the song, hate that band. On the other hand, 37 is Chop Suey by System of a Down and that song freaking rules. However, 36 is Rock You Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions, and I never need to hear that ever again. I liked it for a couple of days back in the 80s, but no more. However, I do love the Scorpions, and there's about 10 or 20 songs by them that I would have put on this list instead of Rock You Like a Hurricane. But moving on to 35, it's Fade to Black by Metallica. Absolutely brilliant song. 34 is Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple, and of course, uh, it was the first song I ever tried to learn to play on a guitar, and it's just a classic. However, 33 is Kiss Me Deadly by Lita Ford, seriously? I mean, she's cool and all, she played in The Runaways and all of that, and it's a pretty good song, but it's not better than Fade to Black, so that kind of irritates me. But I'm going to try to just move on now and tell you that number 32 is Mother by Danzig. And I wouldn't have had that song this high, but uh, here's a song that should be up here. And that's Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath with Ronnie James Dio on vocals. And I recently watched that uh, Dio documentary and man, what a legend that guy was. Uh, At 30, it's Inner Sandman by Metallica, of course. 29 is Walk by Pantera. 28, Holy Wars by Megadeth, definitely. But 27 is Living After Midnight by Judas Priest. And that's okay, but uh, maybe I've just heard it too much. Because I can think of a lot of Priest songs that are a lot better than that one. And if Electric Eye isn't on here at some point, then uh, somebody needs to have their job as a critic taken away. But we shall see. Uh, Moving on to 26, it's Am I Evil by Diamond Head. 25 is Rainbow in the Dark by Dio. And 24 is South of Heaven by Slayer. And funny enough, I had a guy on Instagram the other day tell me that Slayer is a devil band. And apparently by doing some paintings of them, I am promoting Slayer and that is wrong. You're a sinner, you're going to hell. And all I can say is that I'm 64 years old and for most of my life I've been told that God hates rock and roll and that bands like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, and Blue Oyster Cult are all satanic. And yet for some reason I've never been tempted to worship the devil. And speak of the devil, uh, number 23 is Shout at the Devil by Motley Crue. But don't worry, I have no plans to do a portrait of Vince Neil. Uh, unless you commission me to do a painting of Vince, in which case uh, I will. You, you're you're, evil. All right, number 22 is Caught in a Mosh by Anthrax. And it doesn't get much more metal than that. Unless it's, of course, that devil band Iron Maiden at 21 with the Trooper. They're satanic! Number 20 is Round and Round by Rat. And yeah, I'm a sucker for Rat. They're probably the only hair metal band that I like a lot. But 19 is Peace Cells by Megadeth. And to me, that should have been in the top 10. Uh, 18 is The Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. 17 is back in black by acdc and i love acdc but uh, i wouldn't really consider them metal but whatever 16 is hollowed be thy name by iron maiden once again very satanic followed at 15 by the equally evil angel of death by slayer the devil music 14 is stargazer by rainbow 13 is paranoid by black sabbath And at number 12, oh my god, it's Cult of Personality by Living Color. No, 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 no! I cannot tell you how much I hate that song, and it's something I call a button song. If it comes on the radio, I'm hitting that button, and it's gone. I'm sorry, it's just the way I feel, and I hope it doesn't make me a racist. It's got nothing to do with skin color, I just don't like their music. Racist! All right, number 11 is Metallica with one. Not surprised about that. And here we go with the top 10. And at number 10, it's Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden. Number nine is Holy Diva by Dio. Number eight is Raining Blood by that satanic devil band Slayer. Pure Evil. Number seven is yet another song from Black Sabbath. It's Iron Man. Number six is from a guy who used to be in Black Sabbath. It's Ozzy Osbourne with Crazy Train. And if I say that the riff in Crazy Train is one of the most iconic riffs in history, I don't think anyone can disagree with that, can you? Number five is War Pigs by Black Sabbath. And I can't really argue with that either. At four, it's Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. Still not better than Electric Eye, which I don't think has been on this list, but a great song nonetheless. Uh, Number three is Ace of Spades by Motorhead. And I would agree, Top Ten definitely could have possibly been number one. And as my late father, Bud Colvin, once told me after he had watched the Ace of Spades video on Headbangers Ball, You know, if you're going to do that kind of stuff, that's the way you do it, man.
0: That is a profound statement.
1: Okay, at number two, it's Master of Puppets by Metallica. And I totally agree, could have been number one, an absolute masterpiece of a song and album. And finally, at number one, Rolling Stone Magazine has Black Sabbath by Black Sabbath. And of course, that would not have been my choice. I would have probably had Master of Puppets or something like that. But I'm just glad it wasn't Smells Like Teen Spirit. Overall, I didn't think it was a great list. There was no Unsung by Helmet. There was no Killswitch Engage. No Testament, no Blue Oyster Cult. No Paradise Lost. And regardless of what you think of Disturbed, how about uh, Down With a Sickness or Stupify? But no. And if you're going to put stuff on here by ACDC and Van Halen, I would think you'd put some Thin Lizzy on here. And they pretty much just ignore the whole metalcore genre. No Under Oath, no As I Lay Dying, no Avenged Sevenfold. Instead, you got bands like uh, Godflesh and Converge. And when I see that, I usually think, okay, these writers are trying to prove how smart they are. Kind of like when people tell you they love Radiohead. Oh, Radiohead, pure genius. What, you don't like Radiohead? Well, I guess you just don't have good musical taste. Yeah, whatever. So that's kind of the way I feel about this list. They got a lot of stuff right toward the end, but uh, a lot of this just didn't make any sense to me. But really, it's just a bunch of opinions, and so who really cares? Nada! Nobody cares! Before I go, I wanted to thank a couple of people. First of all, thanks to Paul Neal for having me on his podcast, Don't Quit Your Day Job. And then commissioning me to paint his dog, Lamb Chop. Also, thanks to Cole Woodard for commissioning me to do a painting of his dog. And a big thanks to Greg Taylor for buying a whole bunch of my prints. Greg has a store in North Carolina that is all bass guitars. It's called Bass Pluckers, and he bought 10 of my bass player prints. Everything from Billy Sheehan to Jocko to me. And if you've got a business or a restaurant or anything like that that you want to cover the walls in my art, go to my website, montycolvinart.com. I've got prints, I've got paintings of all kinds of rock stars and celebrities. And if you'd like to commission me to do something, just drop me an email or a message. Alright, I'm gonna take you out with a song by a band who should have been on that list that I just read you. And this band is great and they had many songs that should have been on that list. And they were playing metalcore before metalcore was a thing. And it still boggles my mind why they weren't huge, but I'm gonna play you a song off their last album. This is blood in my eyes from Galactic Cowboys. I didn't see this coming. But I will be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like. Unless it's me. And... Rock
0: on.